For Judaism, it is not the young, but the elderly, our link to our history, who are truly deserving of our respect. In such a society, symbols of age, such as a beard, can become a badge of honor. Hence the verse in Leviticus, Mipnei sevatakum, rise before the elderly, vahadarta pnei zaken, and glorify the face of the elders. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 287, Jews and Beards. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. It is the most famous Talmudic tale about facial hair. The Talmud describes how the sage Rabban Gamliel, the Nasi, or religious leader of post-Temple Jewry, was temporarily relieved of his position. The rabbi's ultimate choice of a successor was Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, because he was both brilliant and of a prestigious lineage. He had, however, one obvious flaw. He was young, 18 years of age, and had no gray hair in his beard, a feature that was expected of any serious Jewish religious leader at the time. According to the Talmud, a miracle was wrought for him overnight, and in the morning, he awoke to find rows of gray hair in his beard. Thus, the story concludes, he was wont to say about himself, Hare ani kiven shivim shana, behold, I am akin to a 70-year-old man. The story highlights the common image of the bearded elder as the embodiment of Jewish wisdom. Indeed, the Jewish pension for beards harkens back to the Bible, and beards play a remarkable role in a story in the book of Chronicles. Chronicles describes the following contretemps in which the son of a former ally of King David decides to act treacherously toward the Israelite king. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now it came to pass after this that Nachash, the king of the children of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his stead. And David said, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nachash, because his father showed kindness to me. And David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. So the servants of David came into the land of the children of Ammon to Hanun to comfort him. But the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanun, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Are not his servants come unto thee to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land? Therefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments till the midst of their backsides and sent them away. Then there went someone and told David how the men were served, and he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. It was, in other words, so embarrassing for these Israelites to be without beards that they did not want to be seen in public. And indeed, the shaving of David's men was such an insult that this act led to war between Ammon and Israel. With Ammon, not unlike the British hiring the Hessians in the Revolutionary War, paying men of another people, Aram, to fight on their behalf. Verse 6. And when the children of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, Hanun and the children of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire them chariots and horsemen out of Mesopotamia and out of Aram Maacha and out of Tzova. So they hired 32,000 chariots and the king of Maacha and his people who came and pitched before Medeba. And the children of Ammon gathered themselves together from their cities and came to battle. And when David heard of it, he sent Yoav and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array before the gate of the city. And the kings that were come were by themselves in the field. Now when Yoav saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, he chose out of all the choice of Israel and put them in array against the Arameans. And the rest of the people he delivered unto the hands of Avishai his brother. And they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Arameans be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, 
then I will help thee. Be of good courage, and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God, and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. So Yoav and the people that were with him drew nigh before the Arameans unto the battle, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Arameans had fled, they likewise fled before Avishai his brother and entered into the city. Then Yoav came to Jerusalem. Thus was victory achieved by the Israelites in a war sparked by a forced beard cutting. In pondering the importance of beards to Israelites, we should note that beards in Israelite society were essentially mandatory. Traditional Jews that shave today utilize a combination of specific Jewish laws and modern technology in a way that is deemed permitted by Jewish legal decisors. That subject is beyond the scope of our podcast today. It is also true that in general, in all Middle Eastern societies, men would be bearded, with one exception. But it is this exception that may have made beards all the more important to those that lived in biblical Israel. Archaeologist Lizbeth Free tells us, quote, Most people in ancient Mesopotamia did not shave. A relief from the audience hall of Sancharev's palace in Nineveh shows in exquisite detail the fall of the Judean city of Lachish to the Assyrian armies in 701 BCE. It depicts the Assyrian king, whose head is unfortunately defaced, though the beard is still visible, seated on his throne, receiving his chief minister, perhaps the Tartan mentioned in 2 Kings 1817, and other officers from his army. Behind them, Jews from Lachish are shown bowing in submission. The Jews and Assyrians are all in full beard. And then Freed adds, In contrast to the majority of peoples in the ancient Near East, ancient Egyptians, at least from the time of the Old Kingdom, 2686 to 2181 BCE, the custom among men was to shave beard and mustache and wear a false goatee on special occasions. Foreigners can be distinguished from native Egyptians in many Egyptian tomb paintings by the presence of full beards, for example. In a mural from the tomb of Beni Hassan, a caravan of bearded foreign traders brings eye paint to Egypt, end quote. Why did they shave in Egypt? We have already quoted Leon Cass's point that ancient Egypt was obsessed with youthfulness, with preventing aging, with immortality, and was willing to take physical measures in order to achieve this goal. We cited Cass's point that, quote, whether we look to hieroglyphics in which the mobile world is represented in static ideograms, or to Egyptian worship of the eternal circling, never-changing heavenly bodies, or to the defying of death through mummification, wherever one looks, we see in Egypt the rejection of change and the denial of death, end quote. The country's affection for hair removal, both on the face and on the head, must be understood as going hand in hand in ancient times with the Egyptian pursuit of eternal youth. Cass notes that shaving in Egypt was also a way of denying the appearance of aging, both gray hairs and, one might add, baldness. Indeed, Hebrew etymology links facial hair with age. The biblical word for beard is zakan, an elderly person is zakane. And thus, shaving in Egypt, head and beard, was a way of denying inevitable aging. The zakan was removed in order to deny the fact that one day each one of them would be a zakane. But for Judaism, the term zakane, or old person, is not an insult. It is a term of glory. Indeed, though it means, literally, one who is elderly, In Jewish text and tradition, it refers often to the sages that serve as leaders in society. Recall our discussion of the verse in Proverbs that gray hair is a crown of glory, and Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik's point that the patriarch Jacob is often called Zakain, though he lived less long than Abraham and Isaac. The reason, Rabbi Soloveitchik argued, is because Jacob is the only biblical patriarch seen interacting, 
not only with one generation, but with two, not only with his children, but also with his grandchildren, thereby embodying Jewish tradition itself. In Rabbi Soloveitchik's words, quote, Despite the discrepancy of years, the Zakain carrier of the old tradition succeeded. How appropriate, therefore, that our people is called Israel or Jacob, for it was he who created the Jewish community, which ensures Jewish continuity. End quote. For Judaism, it is not the young, but the elderly, our link to our history, who are truly deserving of our respect. In such a society, symbols of age, such as a beard, can become a badge of honor. Hence the verse in Leviticus, takum, Rise before the elderly, and glorify the face of the elders. The war described in Chronicles, sparked by a beard shaving, may not be one of the most important military encounters in Jewish history. But if the Bible goes out of its way to share it with us, it is perhaps to teach us something about Israelite culture, society, and values, and thereby to remind us about biblical reverence for those older than ourselves. This feature of biblical society, of course, is somewhat in tension with our culture today. An essay written by the late Amy Cass, along with Leon Cass, notes that we live in an age where young people often address their elders in a manner that not long ago would have been considered profoundly disrespectful. Quote, In the home for the aged, venerable ladies and gentlemen are uniformly called Sadie or Annie, Herman or Mike, by people who will never know a tenth of what some of the elderly have forgotten. Small children are not taught to call uncles and aunts Uncle Leon and Aunt Amy, but plain Leon and Amy. Children of all ages are generally allowed to call all grown-up guests in the home by their first name, even on first meeting, end quote. For the Casses, it seems, and their point is, I think, correctly made, this lack of respect often shown for the elders is a result of a lack of recognition for the debt owed to those that came before us. Jews are reminded constantly that we are meant to see ourselves as part of a chain, as a link in generations. Thus, this story, as we come to the end of the Bible, is linked profoundly to the stories that appear at the Bible's very beginning. The book of Genesis opens with a terrible tragedy. Man is eaten from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and is denied the fruit of the tree of life. He is now mortal, temporal. The question that the beginning of the book presents the reader is, how ought man to respond to this newfound finitude? Leon Cass points out that throughout the book, diverse answers are offered. There is Babel, which seeks collective immortality through material gain and the building of enormous edifices. There is Egypt, which seeks personal bodily immortality through the embrace of youth in life and the embalming of the body in death. And then there is Abraham, who was chosen by God to found a family that will become a people that achieves eternity through a culture of transmission. Today, whether or not we choose to have a beard, the biblical story of beards in the book of Chronicles reminds us that the Jewish focus on respect for the past and transmission to the future is what allowed us as a people to endure while societies that were obsessed with eternal youth were ultimately, well, here today, gone tomorrow. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.